There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Good Hello there. Thank God you've answered. I've got a bit of a problem, mate. I need you to do me a favor. If you could go to the restroom, first of all, if you could check to see if I've left a stool in there, um, my feces, I need to take it to the doctor, and I, in my hurry to get out of there, I forgot that I needed to stick it in a plastic bag, and that's what I need to do. So I need you to go in there and make sure, first of all, that the stool is in there, and if it is, if you could put a, a uh, do not use sign on the restroom, so no one can go in there so I can collect my stool. I need to take it to the doctor. It's very important. And I need you to... Uh, could you please do that for me? Um, hold on a sec. Okay. Is this a crinkle? Oh, absolutely not. I, this is a very important medical emergency. I need to collect this stool for my doctor, and I don't think I can conjure up another one in time. Is is the stool in that there? That's the most you... interesting thing I've ever heard in my life, man. I but... know, I know. I was afraid you were going to think I was cranking you, but can you go in there and check it for me? I mean, that's the first order of business to see if it's still even in there. Um. Well, unfortunately, it already flushed because ah. there's an automatic flush on it. Ah, Christ! I... Otherwise, I would, man. I feel kind of bad for you. Just that's such an unordinary question. No, I, I I know, I appreciate it. I just don't know that I can conjure up another one before I see my doctor this afternoon. And I was eating fiber all morning. It's, it's a very long story, man. Yeah, they automatically flush, man. I'm sorry about that. Ah, Christ, it's not your fault, but I just, you know, what... Do you have any, do you have any uh, um, idea what would make someone go to the restroom in a hurry and not have it be like diarrhea-type stool? Um, hmm... I don't know, man. I, I, probably, I probably wouldn't be eating at the taco trucks if that's what you do, man. You think so, but I'm afraid that would make it my stool, like, mushy, and I don't know that they could use something like that. It needs to be like a, like a, a, a something with some substance to it, you know? Yeah, that's very true, man. Um, you know, I would, I would see a doctor and just kind of maybe, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe drink some vinegar? Jesus. Well, that's what I'm going there for, is I was supposed to collect a stool sample. I should have done it at my house, but my wife was on the telly, and she's cra she's bitching at me all the time about something or another. <laughs> I just, you know. Um, man, I you're was... a good guy, man. This is just unbelievable. <laughs> you're a good guy, man. Right, keep talking. Man. All right, I mean, I, nothing else to do. I appreciate you uh, thinking I'm a good guy, but I'm really in a bit of a... Uh, a quandary right now. I don't know what to what to do. A bit of a quandary is probably an understatement. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know. Um, well, I appreciate it. I should have gotten uh, one of your burritos or something there from your restaurant, <laughs> from your your food mart. Maybe that would have helped me. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely would have hooked you, man. All right, and you've only got that one toilet. Are you sure you've checked the right one? I did. I did, sir. Ah, Christ. All right. Well, uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you too, man. Take care. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, my uh, guest today is my buddy Chris Porter. Uh, Chris started out about probably a year ahead of me. He's been out in L.A. for about 10 years. Uh, he's been very successful. He got third on Last Comic Standing. He's got a 
Half Hour Comedy Central presents. Um, it's been on Arsenio. What else have you been on, Chris? You've got all kinds of credits these days. Uh, yeah, I was on uh, Tommy Chong's Comedy at 420 on Showtime. That's right. And uh, I had a special on Netflix for some time, and yeah, now it's and on angry. Hulu. Ugly yeah. and Angry, and it's on Hulu now? It's awesome, dude. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah. it's been a, it's been fun. Yeah, we were all... Uh, and I might add, he's also been on, on championship basketball teams here in the rec leagues in Hollywood. He's got a very good inside-outside basketball game. I just want to throw that in also. Porter is a guy. Oh, well, thank you. I, uh, I, however, I was never on the championship team. I was almost always on the team that did not win any games. Is that right? Okay. So I thought I, for for a second I thought you were on the open Michael Michael Jordans, but you might have not been on the year on the team the year that they won. So you always had the problem no. where you were always busy and on the road. So you just loved playing so much. You were like, I'll just play on any team I can get on. Porter is a goddamn athlete. We went and played. Uh, I mean, I knew you played football in in high school and stuff, but that day that you I tell people this all the time. That day you and Justin and I went and played uh, catch on that softball field and. I'm a wrestler, so I throw like a freaking idiot. And and Chris, Chris was throwing like forty yard spirals, just bombs. I was like, this kid is a freaking athlete. And then we went and played so- <laughs> we went and played softball, and uh, I embarrassed Chris a couple of times. But uh, uh, Chris is a damn athlete. So what's going oh, on, man? Well, <laughs> nothing, man. Just uh, I got I was did a I did three and a half months straight. Wow. On tour, and uh, I had last week off, and then it just starts right back up this week. So, how many how many weeks enjoy- how many weeks a year are you doing? Uh, it varies from year to year, but anywhere between twenty five and forty. And this year, it's looking closer to forty five. Wow! Yeah, I haven't. I done- mean, if the if the current pace keeps up, yeah. I haven't done 45 since uh, since I moved to LA. When I was, I think there was one year I did like 48 weeks. I mean, when you're working in Kansas City, especially like featuring and starting out, I mean, you could work just as much as you wanted to, especially back then. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, man, you look back at those days. We were fucking cowboys. Yeah. Uh, especially comparative to now. I mean, now you can just. If you're a young comic, you can just send a link to a clip. But, you know, we had to, like, drive to Omaha for an open mic night and hope the booker was there. And then one of us would have to stay sober enough to drive us all back. <laughs> yeah, I used and, to drive four hours just to do five minutes at the St. Louis Funny Bone just because I felt like it was important to do comedy on different stages, you know? Because it's one thing to kill in your home club. But it's like, okay, we'll go on the road and see how much of that shit's funny. And then you realize you realize how much of it's not. And a lot of stuff that never worked before in your home club all of a sudden does well on the road. And I tell people all the time, that's where you figure out, like, what's funny everywhere, not just, you know, in your area. Oh, absolutely. Like, I've seen comics that I love and respect come out to L.A. and drop Kansas City jokes. And you're like, man, you should know better. Yeah, that. <laughs> like people don't know what I twenty nine is out here in yeah. LA. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Nor can they possibly. And you know, it's not like audiences in the moment are gonna like. Oh, I can totally relate that to the four hundred five. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, no, they're just like, this is, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Speaking of road stories and being cowboys, I remember I took this advice from you. Do you remember that 15-hour drive to the Baton Rouge Funny Bone from Kansas City? Fuck yeah, you had to drive to St. Louis. It was basically four hours just to get on the highway to go in the correct direction. Right. <laughs> like, go to St. Louis and take a right for 12 hours. and then <laughs> Yeah. And the whole drive to St. Louis, you're like, you couldn't have made one diagonal highlight for this? <laughs> no shit. No, they're, they're, they're trying to keep people out of Arkansas. They're not going to make it easy for us. I remember oh, uh, I, I remember taking your advice. You told me you were like, leave at midnight. That way at 6 a.m. the sun comes up and it's like a whole new day and you don't even feel tired. And I'm like, at the time, 25, I'm like, well, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and, yeah. And, the ne- and I did it and I was about 12 hours into that thing. And this was when Rich Miller booked it, and and when we were that back then especially it was a big deal to get a Rich Miller gig, and yeah. I, I was driving this little Celica I had, or a Honda Accord or something, and I went off the road. I was so tired, and I was I woke up because I was hitting corn stalks, just whap 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 whap. <laughs> and, Sorry, it's funny because you lived. And and my yeah, first no thought wasn't. I'm going to freaking die. My first thought was, I'm going to miss my first Rich Miller gig. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And and all the other gigs, because I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't thinking that far ahead yet. I was just thinking about the fact that I was <laughs> about to screw up my big chance with uh, with Rich Miller. for. That was when uh, I think we got $400. It was like a 30-hour round-trip drive. Oh, it was brutal. Oh, dude, it was... But... That room was fucking one of those rooms where you could pull some pretty easy tail because it was just like a college crowd. And the girls aren't like, I re- that smart. I remember there were a lot of... I remember I was there one night and I was. they had a wet t-shirt contest and they let me be the guy that sprayed the girls. Yeah, I did that once. And it's like the first one, you're like, this is fun. And by the third one, you're like, I feel like the biggest perv on the planet. I want to stop. And there's still 12 more girls. Uh, And it's all strippers trying to make an extra 500 bucks. So they like show up and they're just like, don't spray my hair. You're like, all right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're professional wet t-shirt contest goers. Man, I got. Oh so yeah, I remember up. being in the back with these chicks, and they were just—they had all these questions, and they're like, "I'm wearing a thong that's like, I'm wearing three thongs, so that's legal in this state." Oh yeah, hey. I had some good times in Baton Rouge. I did mushrooms for one of the first times in Baton Rouge. Um, I almost got my first. Well, I never got a DUI, but I my first almost DUI was there. I uh, ran a stop <laughs> sign, and they put me in in that drunk van and by the time they finally got around to taking my my blood alcohol it had lowered enough that they were like we could give you a DUI I'm like well just don't motherfucker <laughs> let me on my way <laughs> speaking yeah, of to Jedi mind trick them speaking of chocolate mushrooms or mushrooms do you remember that Christmas that I had those chocolate mushrooms and you went on stage do I remember I tell that story like all the time I do too it's one of my favorites um what, what's your, I, what's your memory let, of it? Where I remember I remember you calling and saying, I have a line on chocolate. I was still living at that apartment in Shawnee in Thousand Oaks. Okay. And you called, and you're like, I think I have a line on chocolate mushrooms. And, you know, in Kansas City, that was 
maybe twice a year at best. And so I was like, I'm in. And then you called back and you said, I have the mushrooms and I have a spot to the open mic night. And I just started laughing. <laughs> and I said, okay. And he goes, they know what we're doing. And I said, great, because it was when Steen was running it. Yeah. And so, and I'd heard about Stanhope doing it and Hicks doing it. And, you know, when you're young, you're like, I got to do what my heroes did. Yeah. And so <laughs> I remember eating the mushrooms and then you driving us, like, immediately. Because we're like, we eat them now. By the time we get to Stanford's, which is 20 minutes away. Yeah. Uh, they'll, we'll still have like 20 minutes before they even kick in. But then we got in the car and they had already started to kick in. We had already started to feel like real tense and shit. Yeah. And I remember specifically you going, are they starting to kick in for you already? I'm like, yes. And you're like, good, me too. And I was just like, great, we're fucked. (laughs) And so... We got to the open mic night, and it wasn't like a regular open mic night. They were having some contest, and they had to keep it super tight. So Mike Baldwin was hosting, and he was literally going up in between every comedy and be like, give it up for this guy. Like, that was it. Okay. But when we got there, they were like, you guys have to judge the contest. And I was like, no fucking way, because it was... The only three people that knew we were on mushrooms. It was Steen, DC Young, and I think the manager did. I totally forgot we met. We did. We judged that contest. And so I'm like, "There's no way!" Like we're tripping our ball. Like we're already tripping, obviously. And I was like, "It's not fair to the other comics." And they're like, "It doesn't fucking matter. It's a stupid contest. It doesn't mean anything." And I was just like, "So we made this." negotiation to where you judge the first half and then I went on stage to in the middle and then I would judge the second half and then you went on stage. I have tears in my and eyes just so, remembering this shit. It's so I remember during the first half like I'm tripping so hard, like I'm appearing like I'm in rooms like how did I fucking get here? And then <laughs> That's great. remember we used to go smoke pot in the back stairs? Oh yeah. Religiously. Well so I'm like three away from going up. I know it's not, I'm not in a good place. There's no way that I can pull this off. But if I, in my head, I'm like, if I just smoke some weed, it'll at least calm me down through the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. So I took Sean, the bartender down with me. And, it, you know, this is back when we had that shitty brown Mexican weed. Yeah. But you had to like get those seeds out. And <laughs> I'm trying to sort it in my hand. It was a production. And I'm, <laughs> And I'm talking to Sean, and finally I just looked at Sean, and I go, you do this. And I just poured it in his hands. <laughs> and he's, you know, he doesn't know I'm tripping. And <laughs> so I smoke some weed, and it doesn't make anything better. No, it's and like I go a bug back zapper up. at that point. It just can't get in. Yeah. <laughs> so I get back upstairs, and I remember Cat Purcell starts talking to me, like, while they're... And meanwhile, Mike's... They hadn't given anybody a, a real intro, but meanwhile, right before I go, they're like, "This guy's a professional. He tours the country as a, you know, as a middle act at that point, and he's what all these guys are trying to aspire to be." <laughs> Please welcome Chris Porter. And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" So I went up on stage, and this lady in the audience goes, "Oh, I've seen you before," 
And I go, oh, yeah, well, I haven't written anything new, so buckle up. (laughs) And I turned around, and the stage lights hit me, and everything just fucking closed in. And it was like I stopped talking, and then I hear Tim chuckling in the back. Yeah, because you know I'm tripping my balls off, and you know that the light... Dying. Like... (laughs) Uh, yeah, <laughs> there was no chuckling. So, I was inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> so then, in my head, I realized I'm not talking. Like, there's one thing I should be doing on stage, and I'm not doing it. And so, no matter how fucked up I've ever been, if I could start a bit, I could get through it. Right. And so I just started the bit, which at the time was about High Point, North Carolina. I go, I just got back from High Point, North Carolina. And then that's all I said. Because <laughs> in my brain, I was still talking. And so then I realized, oh, you're not talking again. And then I'm like, well, maybe you have been talking. <laughs> you just don't realize it because you're tripping. And I just start yelling out punchlines to the bit that I have not properly set up. And now Tim is fucking smacking the back wall. He's laughing so oh, hard. Oh, man. And I look around, and at a minute and 16 seconds in, I looked at the audience and go, I can't do this right now. (laughs) And I put the microphone on the stool, and I ran off stage. That was awesome. Like, dead sprint. And Tim's running behind me, and I remember we got to the downstairs, and I was full-on convinced that I was never going to be a stand-up comedian again. Like, I'd ruined my career. And he and I remember Tim saying, "Dude, you're still going to Little Rock tomorrow. Like it's fine." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, you're right, you're right." And he was like, "But also, you're supposed to be judging a contest." And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" So I walk back upstairs, and like it's you know that feeling when you're on mushrooms and everyone's staring at you. Yeah, that is heightened tenfold when everyone actually is staring at you because i walked in the the old upstairs stanford's room and everyone's head turned to the towards me and watched me walk to the back of the stage Uh, it was was awesome see and there's so much go ahead sorry so so then (laughs) dave nickerson walked up to me and goes hey what are you on that made you do that? Because I want some. <laughs> that sounds like Dave. That sounds like Dave. Hell yeah. And I went up, to, and so, again, like, I'm still tripping, so I just leave in the middle of this person's set, and I went up to Tim, and I went, hey, man, everyone's asking me where to get to whatever I'm on. And Tim, I just remember he goes, oh, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember you had bought, I don't know, something like 15 mushroom chocolates, and they were gone inside 45 minutes of me walking off stage. Yeah. Like, I was the greatest advertisement for chocolate mushrooms ever. You totally were. Oh, man. And then, and then I remember you going up, and by the time you went up, you, were, uh, you weren't peaking, but you were still tripping pretty hard, and you were just... You leaned up against the wall, and you did pretty good. But by then, the cat was out of the bag. Like, everyone kind of knew that, like, we were both tripping. And so 
like all the comics like kind of laughed at Tim because he knew he was tripping. And he, and he was making words, which I wasn't. <laughs> well, well, he had more time to think of words. You, all you all I remember up. about yeah. my set was being, I was on the come down. So it was kind of like, it was, I was just kind of in a fog. But Chris was full on tripping oh, his ass off. Like, like the peak of the peak. I was on fucking Everest when I walked on that stage. <laughs> and, and it's funny that you remember all those things because I laughed so goddamn hard that everything else, all those things, me picking you up and, and what I said to you afterwards and Little Rock and all, I do remember the Little Rock comment now. Um, but I don't, all I remember was just, I don't think I've ever laughed that hard in my life. Because, because Chris had this, he went up there. Plus, you're at the back booth, so you're kind of back. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's this wall behind you. There's this wall behind you, and and behind the where we were sitting. And I remember I was turned around, and I was slapping that wall, and I was just, I mean, pounding on it. I just could not. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen because Chris went up there, and he had this look on his face like. I can do this. I'm a fucking professional now. I can do this. <laughs> I just got and, back from Baton Rouge, god damn it. Yeah, and he, he, starts to, <laughs> he starts to go into it, and he starts to do that high point joke, and you go, I've been, I've been to high point, <laughs> and it came out like you were going to start crying, and then, <laughs> and, and then he steps back, and, he, and you can see him try to collect himself. He's like... <clears throat> Fucking, I can do this. <laughs> you can see him just trying to fighting, get everything. Yeah, everything in him wants to just pull this off, and he's like, "I'm gonna fucking pull this off." And he steps back in to do it again, and everything. You could just, I could just feel his brain melting. Like, <laughs> oh man, I have never laughed so hard in my life. And Ross McGinnis, you know how big he is, and he's always got that leg shaking. And I remember at yeah. one at one point, just looking at him during the whole judging thing, and I was like. Is that you? Man, you've got to fucking stop that. Because <laughs> you are killing me. And he's like, well, that's my thing. I move my arm. I'm like, well, not tonight, motherfucker. you got to stop. You're killing me. Oh, dude. So many laughs in that freaking club. The last thing I remember as I ran off stage was Scott Steen howling. Just fucking because he was... He knew exactly what was going on, but he was fucking dying. I remember that. Yeah, he was funny, but man. But God damn it, that was a... F- and then... Oh, I tripped a lot. The first time I ever tripped was at that club. Really? Yeah, I remember Emery Emery and Steve Kramer and I tripped <laughs> super hard at that club one night. And it was, it, you know, it was like a Sunday night, and it was back in the days when we fucking just ran that place. Yeah. There was nothing like better when you than... could just walk in the office and go, "Hey, I need twenty five bucks," and they just give it to you and take it out of your next check. Yeah, and they just give you a spot, you know, whenever. I remember, God, I was so freaking cocky. Like two years in, I remember Ron wouldn't give me a guest spot, and I would never act like this now. But at twenty five, I was like, I was like, "Fine, Ron, you know how good I'm going to be in two years. I'll remember this shit." <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a spot. He was like, "Okay, Timmy," and he gave me one. And I was like. Now looking back on, I'm like, God, you are a cocky motherfucker. Well, like, I would never dream of saying that to some club manager now. Like, oh, you're putting me up. I was basically like, I'm gonna kick your ass if you don't. That club, <laughs> that, that old Stanford's club, it prided itself on on being an incubator for debauchery. I mean, if you weren't like trying to get fucked up while you were there, then you weren't really trying to be there. Do you remember uh, some of the shit Kyle Paris did? 
<laughs> yeah, I remember fucking. I I specifically remember the raccoon. Yeah, that was one of the with the cooler. Uh, is that the guy that brought the dead raccoon out of the cooler? Were you there? Yeah, that was the first. A, and then stuck a vacuum down Holy its gullet shit. and turned it on. No, 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 no. Oh, that in the was... whole club, like everyone had to leave because it stank. You have to so understand, bad. like that was the night I decided, like, hey, I can do stand up comedy. I went to the open mic that night to watch <laughs> to see what my competition was going to be. And half after, okay, so yeah, that yes, I I saw that. That was my, that was the night I decided I wanted to do comedy. That was your defining moment. That, that, I was like, look, if all these assholes can get up there, there was a couple guys that got up there and did really bad dice impressions, and like, yeah, yeah, that was it. The dead raccoon possum night. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, dude, that was. I mean, that was one of those <laughs> nights that made Stanford's fucking legend. He used to always. He used to always. Uh, uh, every every Thanksgiving, he would uh, fuck a dil- a turkey with a dildo, and he would put like he would stuff it with like cat food, you know, like he would well, do, and okay, he would do like Julia Ch- Julia Child's voice. It, what it was was his bit was every time he went on stage, his bit was that he had a excuse me, I burped a public access television show, <laughs> and that was the that was his bit every time and yeah. every. So every Thanksgiving, he was like, you know, we there's all these cooking shows to make a turkey for people, but what about your pets? So he would be like, due to time, we'll just make this one for cats and dogs. And he opened up a can of cat food, <laughs> taste it, yes, and then put it in the that. turkey. Yes, taste And it. then he'd open up a can of dog food, taste it, and then put that in the turkey also. And he's like, okay, now we need to stuff the turkey. And he'd pull out a giant dildo and start <laughs> fucking the turkey. <laughs> And, like, it got to the point where it was like the Charlie Brown special for us. Like, every Thanksgiving, we all gathered around and watched Kyle fuck a turkey. Like, that's what it was. And I remember when he would pull... And so, and then, like, one time he showed up and just basically destroyed a television on stage. Like, if he laid down a tarp, you knew it was going to be good. Yeah. I remember and, when, when he would fuck that turkey, he would pull it out, and cat food would fly off it, and the audience could see it, like, oh, flying into the crowd. Oh, oh, into drinks oh. and shit. Yeah, he got banned for that uh, raccoon night. They ban- <laughs> they, I remember they banned well, he him. Got banned for the he got banned for the dead possum thing, and then I remember when he came back, he wore a T-shirt that he had made that said, no dead possum. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my uh, – I just I just saw it yesterday in my, in my drawer, my Kyle Paris is an idiot shirt. It's got a big picture of his face. I <laughs> I remember going downstairs that that night and you know when they were like oh you're banned for life and all that you know Kyle is like the sweetest guy on the yeah. planet and, and that was literally like killing his dream oh it was it crushed his soul I remember him standing outside in front of the club and I went out there and I go hey buddy they are not gonna ban you I go they might say it right now because they're pissed but I promise you you're gonna be able to come back and he did yeah. but I was just like. I mean, he had this look on his face. I was like, dude, you're going to be okay, Kyle. And he was just like, what, what if I can't fuck a turkey every Thanksgiving? <laughs> you're like, you've done it for four straight years. They're going to let you fuck a turkey. Yeah. I, well, let's, first off, let's tell the dead possum story. I don't think we've given it, because uh, we've referenced it, but he fucking, the bit was, he had a public access show called Animal 911. <laughs> and he had the cooler and the tarp. So everyone's already in it. 
like everyone's ready for Kyle to come up. And he said, so, uh, he goes, I'm going to show you how to revive, uh, an animal that you find hurt. And he opens up the cooler and we're all in the back. We're good. 20 feet away. And he pulls out this fucking, what appears to be a lie or a real dead possum. But we're all in the back. I remember specifically being in the back one. Is that a real dead possum? And we're all arguing about it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you see, and then people in the front row start turning away their heads like it smells. So we're like, there's, look, that, that. And then we see blood drip from the mouth of the beast. This thing was like right? freshly smashed. Dude, he had obviously picked it up on his drive in from Warrensburg. Yeah, or chased like he had just been like, "There's himself. one," and he grabbed it. And it might that might have been the how he got the bit. So anyway, people from the front row leave or get up and walk away, but they're like just in the back watching from a distance because they're like, "Holy shit!" Right. It smelled and, so bad. I mean, we, I was in the second row; it was awful. Yeah, and then he we didn't know this, but he had stashed a vacuum behind the stage and he pulls it out and he takes the nozzle and puts it down the mouth of the beast and fucking turns it on like he was giving it mouth and to mouth. that place cleared out like it was on fire oh man it did holy shit but to kyle's credit he finished it <laughs> everyone came back remember that like after about 15 minutes when it cleared out we went back in and almost, I think all but like two people came back because they're like, well, we have to see what's next. Man, that was the best open mic there's ever been. I mean, it was just great. And once you finally passed, like a, got to a certain level, you got to sit at the table where you like sat in the back and bagged on all the, on the, all the open micers who sucked. I remember, I remember my first, my favorite line was, because uh, there was always open micers that would literally do the same three minutes every single time. And it never got laughs, ever. But they yeah. were so proud of the fact that they had written and memorized three fucking minutes that they would do it every time no matter what. And every now and again, someone would chuckle, and I'd go, fuck, that's going to keep him doing it two more years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hey, I say that. Remember when Robert Loudon would kill, like, once every ten weeks? Yeah. Or he would be he would kill and 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 piss people off in the same three minutes. I mean, just be destroying yeah. and then have them <laughs> hating him. Yeah, he he passed away. God rest his soul. He had some funny. Uh, I'll always remember his Brian Busby bit. I used to love following that because I had a joke about oh, it. Oh, the Brian Busby bit. That was one of the few bits I remember. Yeah, that guy, guy has a cold front, a warm front. You know what I mean? He's gonna rain on your head, fool. <laughs> I got my water, and you know he always carry around a jug of water with him. Yeah, because he t yeah he had some medical issues. He had to carry back around oh. a big jug of water, but it's still not a good look. I, no, I had to drive. I had to drive him on a Friday night from Hollywood and Highland to Venice Beach. Oh yeah, it How took two and a half hours yeah. that I will never get back. <laughs> uh, and I heard some of the weirdest things come out of that dude's mouth. Yeah. and I. And that's comparative to all the other weird shit that I've heard come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gave John Fox a ride to uh, from uh, like Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Chicago one time, and that was about the longest three hours of my life. I mean, you talk about a bitter, pissed-off, 
angry, <laughs> fucking drunk. I mean, that guy was just, he's the reason I quit. He's not the reason I quit drinking, but I have a picture of John Fox on my refrigerator to remind me why I quit. <laughs> I, I swear, I swear to God, he looks like Captain Kangaroo. This guy had the world by the balls at one time. Remember him? He was on like the Tonight Show like 25 times. He looked like a surfer. Rodney Dangerfield loved him, and, and he pretty much just drank his career away. And now he passed away at like 56 of a kind of a preventable cancer. But I think somebody somebody told me the healthiest thing he ever ate in his life was probably a hot dog. He just was that dude, you know. Gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, Chris, I wanted to ask you, do you remember the first time you met Tim or like what was your your first initial impression of Gaither? And, and was that like in the late 90s or was that turn it like well, 2000? Well, we started 98, 99. Right? I, I started uh, January of I graduated college December of 98 and I started stand up December, January of 99. So, yeah. Yeah. And I had started in June of 98. Uh, I remember Tim. Tim and Justin were one of the were the guys that came in and were funny the first time, and you can tell that, you know, you can just tell the guys that you see earlier, like, oh, that guy's going to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, even after seven months, like, you could, you could all, of hanging out every night, I can tell the guys that were funny and had a shot and the guys that didn't. Yeah. And, uh. Do you remember the first? So, uh, do you remember that met that uh, best of Kansas City thing that you headlined? It was a Tuesday, and Brian Burgess had to come in because we had like gone short, and Keith Rainey was freaking out. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I had forty-five minutes. Well, and uh, you'd only been doing comedy at, at that point at like like a year and a half, maybe, because I'd only been doing it. I just started, so you couldn't have been doing it very long, but. There was me, yeah. me and you, and I think Jason Hughes. It was the first time I ever ever got paid to do comedy. I made I made eight bucks, <laughs> and uh, I got a I got a split of the door, and I made eight eight bucks. Which incidentally, I recently headlined Stanford's, and that's also what they paid me this time. So, <laughs> 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 no, it was a little better than that. But uh, I, I remember that night, and uh, we all went short. But I went short. It was the first time I. I ever got paid and it was the first time I didn't get a laugh at all until like I did 10 minutes and I think I did like eight and I didn't get a laugh until like my big crocodile hunter <laughs> seven, closer. 7.45 you got yeah, that big laugh. I finally me. brought in that big I mean but up until that point I just oh my god I ate it so bad and Chris did good but we had all gone short we had all gone short and uh it wasn't a very good audience and I remember I was gonna quit that night I was like fuck this I, I don't need people telling me I'm not funny and then Burgess came in and filled the time. And uh, do you have any Burgess memories? Because when he came in that night, I was like, dude, you can't quit. That guy's been doing it 15 years. That's why he's so good. Because we all had okay sets, or, or it got progressively better. I did really bad, and then I think it got a little better. But Burgess came in and just took it to another level. And that's when I was like, oh, well, maybe you can't quit after eight times because it didn't go your way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who is uh, Brian Burgess? Is that his name? Brian Burgess ran the comedy club, but he was also like, he was, he was one of the most brilliant comics I've ever seen, Absolutely. but he's also like that fucking story of, you know, don't do a bunch of cocaine and have a meeting at CBS. Yeah, and, and don't punch your brother in the face. And <laughs> yeah, and especially when your brother writes for The Soprano. Yeah. His so it's like. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely was his own worst enemy. Um 
but uh, like you but said, the, and by his own admission, oh. yeah, absolutely. And and uh, like you said, his his timing and he, he's absolutely one of the funniest guys I've ever seen. Do you have any specific Burgess memories? Did he ever tell you anything that stuck with you or anything like that? Well, he he took me with him to open for him at this gig in the middle of fucking nowhere in Iowa. Yeah. And I went out. I was supposed to do like 20 minutes, and he was going to light me. And I ended up doing like 45. And that might have been the reason. No, 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 this was later. But anyway, uh, I ended up doing like 45 just because I was having fun. You know, was, they were a fun crowd, and, you, you know, they were just, I was having fun, and Burgess just kept letting me go. And I finally brought him up. I was like, how much time did I do? He's like, you did like 45. I want to see what you can do. <laughs> and then so we did the gig and then we drove back that night and we got back into town at like two thirty in the morning and he goes, you want to go to the boats? And I was just 21. So I was like, sure, let's go to the boats. I've never been. Yeah. How does it work? And we went and I just remember walking out of there an hour later and he lost every dime he'd made at the gig and he was just screaming at himself. He was just like, Oh, real good fucking idea, Burgess. Let's go to the boats, losing two hundred goddamn dollars. <laughs> and I'm like I won like fifty, so I was like, I won fifty. Like, isn't this great? Like, fuck you, Porter. And uh I also remember oh, the greatest Burgess story ever. Uh the Jim Wells story. Dude. Jim Wells was a young young comic who fancied himself like a very Bill Hicksy kind of guy, like complete with the leather jacket and the Wait, was cigarette he, was he on a, stage. Was he a little guy? Like, I mean, not no. like. I don't, I don't know if I. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He kind of looked like a fucked up Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> like if Dave Coulier and, was uh, like, "Fuck it, I'm done with all this." healthy living no so the booking, <laughs> i think he's actually healthy these know, days. anyway i don't know back in the day the way burgers used to book mcs was not book them until wednesday night right you know three hours before the show and uh so you know some nights a lot you know we all get phone calls and a lot this one weekend we were all out of town so he got to the bottom of the list which was jim wells who was not ready to host but <laughs> Uh, Burgess, he'd been begging, he'd been begging Burgess for months, and so Burgess brought him in, and he goes, "Listen, I don't, he goes, I don't need you to be funny. I just need you to be clean, and I need you to get the announcements right. And if you do that, I'll book you again. That's all I need from you." And Jim Wells is like, "Yes, sir," and walks up on stage, and his first joke is about flushing his swirling load down the toilet. Wow! And Burgess would bring the con did all the back mic announcements so he had just brought jim wells on stage like please welcome jim wells and so bert so wells does that joke burgess goes i can't believe that stupid motherfucker just said that he had not turned the back mic down so this boomed across the audience and jim wells froze on stage Oh, man. And he turns, and the Jim and the entire audience turns and looks at Brian because remember there was that window back there. Yeah, and uh, they turn and look at Brian, and Brian goes, "Why the fuck are they looking at me?" And he looks down at the soundboard. He goes, "Ah, shit!" And he turns it down, <laughs> and Wells is on stage, fucking frozen, <laughs> like 
a, like an 18 wheeler is feet away uh, and going fast. Awesome. And Burgess turns the back mic back up and goes, well, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> turns the mic down. Well, stumbles through the next seven minutes and comes off stage. And Burgess in that time had gotten some issue from a waitress and tells, he goes, well, go sit in the office. I'll deal with you in a second. And he comes in, and Burgess, you know, he was a brilliant comic, mm -hmm. and in the in the heat of the moment, he could eviscerate someone, and it, it was like fucking poetry. Yeah. And he ripped into Jim Wells so hard that he made a 27-year-old man cry. Wow. And... <laughs> that takes a special talent yeah. to do. does. And then when Jim Wells started crying, he goes, are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's he, he he is the he can say he's not a big dude, but there's something very intimidating about Burgess when he uh, when he's pissed off. He I remember him coming in the office one time in that back office you were talking about, and it, it was real full. There's tons of people in there that didn't need to be in there, and he comes in, and he was pissed about something, and he goes, can we get about nine more fucking people in here? <laughs> and you have never seen a room clear out quicker than uh, yeah. than that. And one day we were sitting by the uh, – we were sitting in the back there, and I go uh, – because his brother is a very successful director and writer and all that stuff, Mitchell Burgess from uh, The Sopranos, and I go, so do you and your brother have the same uh, demeanor? And he goes, <laughs> what do you mean? Is he a prick? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah. He's a prick. <laughs> uh, I miss that guy. I need to. I need to ch look him up next well, time. Well, if you, I mean, I can tell you, he works at Pat's Bar No Grill Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. If you're in town, you can just go have a beer with. Well, you don't drink, but you can go have a water with him. Well, I'll. Uh, um, I'll do that next time. I, I'm going to be in that July July 15th or something. I'm going to see my cousin down at the Westport Saloon. He's got a one man band, and maybe I'll pop down there and see him too. And that, that's actually. Well, I'm going. I go back for the fourth every year. So if you're back for that, let me know. We'll go together. Um, I don't know what the hell I'm doing on the fourth. It seems like I'm somewhere. I don't know. I'm pretty damn busy in June and July, but um, um, yeah, absolutely. I just got your number again. I lost my my phone with all of my freaking numbers after i got like <laughs> i mean all of them and i didn't back it up in the cloud i had all kinds of fucking wedding pictures and all kinds of shit on there oh no pictures. i mean i mean i've got all those pictures somewhere else but you know there's certain the convenience that, of it yeah i think i ran over it with my own car to be honest with you it happens well and chris what's funny is so last week's episode we had tim's cousin aj gaither on who's a one-man band and he actually makes all of his own instruments uh, but I kind of wanted to bring up music with you because that's actually a, a huge passion and something that um, is a big part of your life. And you know, and, and you actually have a band and perform regularly uh, with them. But where did that start? Is that something that you've always done since you were a kid? Yeah, my family was my family's very musical, especially on my father's. Well, exclusively on my father's side. My my mom's side's all mechanics and athletes. And, all that stuff. And then, so my dad's brother was always a musician and, you know, dad, my dad was always way into music. And so that was always a huge part of just the family. And then also my family is very honest. So if you weren't very good, they wouldn't let you play. Yeah. So, 
I, you know, I started with drums as, or no, I started with saxophone as a kid and then moved on to drums. And then when I started doing comedy, obviously it's hard to take a drum set on the road. So I grabbed a guitar and learned that. And then I know drums, I know drums are extremely hard to play, but is it true that it's the one thing you can learn how to play, even if you're not musically inclined or is that, am I saying that completely wrong? No, I mean, the thing with, I mean, if you want to be a real drummer, you you have to be able to keep your own time, which is, which is hard. I mean, yeah. to, to keep it, you know, and real musicians are very dicky about that. Like if you, yeah, if you speed up or slow down, they don't want to play with you. So yeah. that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Sure, it's easy to pick up a beat, but no one's going to want to play with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, so I got you. <laughs> like, uh, you can learn how to play also, really poorly. There's a lot of really shitty bands out there. There's just a lot of terrible right. players that got together, and they're like, hey, we're terrible, but we know it, and they play out, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but on the opposite yeah. spectrum of that, you uh, what, what's it like? being on the road with the Black Crows and being around musicians that are incredible. I mean, is that just constant inspiration or you just con- or you or do you not even want to touch a guitar when you're around musicians like that? Do you ever jam with them? Well, they All right, there's a story. So, I uh the last week of the Black Crows existence, the last two weeks really, I kind of was just on the bus with them. They were based here in LA and so I would you know, take an Uber down to the marquee and then I would get on the tour bus and we'd go out for the evening and do a gig and come back and party. And, you know, it was what it was. But one night we were in Vegas or Arizona. I think it was Arizona. And they're working through like an old, because they had a new guitarist on that tour. And so they're working through a pretty old song. And Chris walked off stage and Rich looked over at me and he like, like go out there and sing it i'm like and it was like one of the hardest songs to sing that they have yeah and i was like and i walked out there and i fucked it all up the entire time <laughs> but you know you're just super you know i wasn't ready for it and i was super nervous and it is what it is but uh yeah so but, you know i've had fun yeah uh, i mean that's a great story no matter what even if you did fuck Yeah, it and, you know, being on that bus, it was great because it was like, you know, especially for a kid that traveled around the country to see him for 12 years. To, yeah. You know, it was always the dream to be like, oh, that's, man, maybe tonight they'll be like, you come on the bus. And, and the next thing you know, you're, you actually are on the bus. And You've ended up hanging out with a lot of, uh, you hung out with, with uh, Kid Rock for a while, didn't you? And... Uh... Who else were you buddies yeah, with? Mumford a, and Sons? Yeah, had a brief bromance with, with Kid Rock. <laughs> and uh, Mumford and Sons, didn't you hang out with them some? I got, uh, got pretty drunk with a few of the and sons, yeah. Did, didn't they play beer pong at your house? Is that what you told me? They did do that. Uh, <laughs> they, yes, they, they did, did indeed. That. They've got... They've, with, the De- with the Detroit Tigers. I'm against the Detroit Tigers. Nice. You yeah, just had are, to sweeten the pot, didn't you? you yeah. Just, those are good stories. That was man. a weird night. It was a weird night. Yeah, I uh, 
I run to Mumford and Sons songs, and they've got one. I think it's Lion Man. I think I told you this that uh, they play that song, and if I'm like running up a hill, it, I almost goddamn kill myself because it gets me so fired up. <laughs> that part is like, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think a stuff. lot of, to be fair, a lot of their songs go, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, well, so. there's one particular, ah, ah, that fucking fires me up. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what, what are you gonna ask buddy no, no i was gonna say chris where's the uh the best place for the listener to find is it just uh chris porter is funny.com actually that's a terrible place to find me because i can't figure out how to access that website right now it's actually a okay phone well, call i need to make but uh we'll go you the, know we'll, just my facebook fan page is probably the best place to search for chris porter on facebook and it's the fan page. Um, I uh, that's what I keep the most up to date. Also, my Instagram at I am Chris Porter. Which, I'll always put up tour dates, and uh, I, you know I make flyers for every show. And I uh, love the Instagram actually because you do a good job of when you're on the road, you, you're documenting some of, some of the the fun stuff. So it's a good insight for you comedy fans out there when you follow them. You'll get, you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that's what. Syracuse, New York, look like, or Florida, or wherever it is, and so yeah, I recommend to follow. Is I guess point being, it's been good. You know, I keep forty two hundred people pretty happy on do. a daily basis. I'm one of them. Well, thanks, but I appreciate it. So, uh, Chris, uh, you've been doing yeah. comedy now for gosh, it's sneaking up on twenty years, right? Nineteen years. Yeah, this is the year where I'll have been doing comedy for half my life. Wow, that's crazy, man. Um, do you feel like you've found your voice completely? Yeah, 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 yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, I definitely found it with Ugly and Angry, and then I think with this new album that's going to come out, I kind of diverted from it a little bit mm -hmm. just because I needed to. And then on this new record that I'm working on, I, I'm definitely back in the Ugly and Angry mindset. Uh, you know, I think that's, more what I you know I just it's a very easy avenue to, for me to speak from so yeah well you've always been really funny but I've noticed you know since you moved out to LA and just getting older you know just life experiences and all that stuff you've become more yourself on stage I remember one of the best compliments you gave me when we were start we were, hadn't been doing it very long but you're like I, I like how you're pretty much yourself up there that's that's the same guy off stage as on you know and uh and I, I still don't feel like I've gotten everywhere I want to be or whatever, but I, that was a, a good compliment. I always, I always remember you saying that, and I've noticed that in you, that you've become more yourself as, uh, as it's gone on. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's fun to watch. I saw you at the store not too long ago, and, uh, um, yeah, man, you've always been really funny. So, and, and I think it's good that you have, uh, you know, it's, it's veering off of uh, Ugly and Angry a little bit because you have different – sides to your personality we all do so that's just uh you know that that'll be cool to see your you know what's what do you have a name for your new special uh well we're working on the title right now but the the word lost is going to be in there somewhere i don't know if it's just gonna be called lost or lost and alone but because somebody just put out a title called angry and alone so i don't know we'll figure it out yeah well i'm uh i'm looking forward to see it it made me laugh we uh we watched it and uh it was good, man. I'm sorry I forgot to mention it in the beginning, but you've done a lot of shit now, so 
Sorry, Chris. Well, thanks, brother. Well, I, you know, I've always thought you were funny. You're uh, fucking on stage and off. We've had some really good times together, man. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I really was. I, if you would have, if, if you could have seen me telling that when you're telling that mushroom story, I was just remembering it, and uh, I I needed that. I need, I needed to uh, for something to make me tear up in a in a laughable way. Like it was just holy shit. That was one of the best memories of my comedy career. I mean, and that's a legendary story. I I remember hearing about that in L.A. ten or twelve years ago, and just because your name Chris had come up, and someone goes Chris Porter. Did you guys ever hear that mushroom story about him in Kansas City? No, I haven't. <laughs> I just, I just love the the very first part of it when he, the, my, the part that will always make me laugh is when you tried to collect yourself. The look on your face. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this. I'm gonna pull this off. <laughs> <laughs> and for about a half well, a second, he did. He was like, I'm in high point, and then the shit just. <laughs> <melted on him. laughs> well, I remember I called Stanhope the next day. Like, how did you ever do that for yeah. an hour? Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, well, see, I did it. I ate him right when I before I went on stage. So by the time it kicked in, I was forty five minutes into the set. Oh, okay. And he goes, and he goes, well, the one time I did it the way you did it was it, and he, it was at some place, and he was like, I just ended up at balled up in the corner. <laughs> yeah, Bill Hicks said the same thing. He said one time he was on, he was a comedy god on those things, and the other." And the next time, it was not that way at all. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't think if any comics listening out there starting out uh, eating mushrooms all the time is probably not a good idea. Well, I saw, dude, I was doing, I was at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival two weeks ago, and <laughs> I was at the Kill Tony podcast. I wasn't on it, but I was in the rafters watching. And uh, this this guy got called up. And I don't, if you're not familiar with the Kill Tony podcast, they call up amateur comics to do like one minute of stand up and then they get basically eviscerated by whoever's the guest that week. Jesus, that sounds funny. And so this guy got called up and he was, when he first walked up, you knew he was fucked up and he announces that he was on mushrooms and the audience was like, they thought it was funny, they thought it was joking, but anyone that's ever done mushrooms was like, oh no, that dude's totally on mushrooms. <laughs> you clearly tell. And, uh, <laughs> And that guy ended up uh, taking a, pushing uh, Jeremiah Watkins and getting super pissed off because Jeremiah just kept ripping him apart. Oh yeah, and yeah, it got real bad real quick. Huh. So Shit. yeah, don't do mushrooms on <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I never knew how people. You know, they would always talk about people doing cocaine on and then go on stage in the '80s, and I'm like. I don't see how you would do that. I, I can't even drink caffeine and go on stage. <laughs> Just fucking cocaine. To each his own. Yeah, to each his own. But anyway, uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate coming on and uh, and doing this. Uh, I had a ton of questions to ask you, but we didn't really get to them because there was so much. And I knew I wouldn't because once you start stock, talking about stuff like that. Uh, and we, and we, and look, we can do that, this again. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again. Listeners on Twitter, sure. I am Chris Porter. There's actually uh, a picture. If you scroll down a couple days ago, Chris had actually just uh, posted a picture from the mushroom incident in Austin, Texas. And if you're listening in Las Vegas, New York, Chris is going to be there uh, this weekend, the 18th through the 20th, for the Crapshoot Comedy Festival. And then if you're on the East Coast, Hartford, Connecticut, at the Funny Bone, the 25th, 26th, 27th, and 8th. So go check him out there also. Cool. That's great. That's also, you know, it's just it's just uh, what's cool about the scene that we have is that 
so many of us are still working. Yeah, yeah, there were some great comics back then. Well, thanks, man, for coming on. We really appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Chris. All right, thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, that's... uh. So is, did he describe that mushroom incident like accurately from his perspective? Is that how you were, you remembered yeah. it? Or were you laughing so hardly that he just kind of zoned well, Part out? of the reason I was laughing was because he brought up a bunch of stuff that I didn't remember. You know, I didn't remember how – I didn't remember driving him there and all that stuff. The, the part that stuck out of my mind, and probably because I laughed so hard, it blocked everything else out. But, man, I mean, I just – I can't explain fully how freaking funny it was to see – his to see his mind working up there to see him going i am gonna pull this off i'm i'm just gonna step back and collect myself and it's gonna be okay and you'd seen him run that gig that bit probably but 50 100 times at that point so you knew exactly where, yeah, he the, was, where all the bumps were hiccup. i think the joke was they asked me if i wanted to go to high point north carolina and i said how high do i need to get or something like that it was funny when he said it and it was better than that but um yeah that was the joke and he just he couldn't do it. That was so funny. Now, is he someone that you would go a, attempt to pal around, do mics with, sign up? You know, like, were you carpooling to shows together? Yeah, we used to always do these shows in Topeka together. Jeff Sneed used to book. And um, we were on shows together, you know, in the beginning. Like, he would headline, like, the best of Kansas City on a Tuesday, and I would be the feature act and that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, whenever we, whenever we could, we would – do gigs in and around Kansas City. And that was the reason Kansas City was such an awesome place to start. There was so much work and, and mics um, within a four to eight hour radius, you know? I mean, right in the middle of the country. You're, you're six hours to Oklahoma City, eight hours to Minneapolis, seven hours to Chicago. Yeah. Wichita, you know, you can get to a lot of places within a half a day or quarter day's drive. Yeah, it was hard for me to uh, leave Kansas City because I was like, well, shit, I got a pretty good thing here. I'm starting to headline some rooms. I'm, you know, living pretty cheap on a farm. And I've got a go-kart. <laughs> I had five, five acres of land. I mean, I had this go-kart and lots of free time to ride my go-kart. And, I mean, a badass go-kart. I went into a tractor supply company stoned and walked out with a freaking almost $2,000 uh, Go kart, <laughs> something you could you could kill yourself with if you oh, really. Oh man, took. it was so fun and a great way to pick up girls. I'd be like, "Hey, you want to go ride my go kart?" <laughs> Hell yeah, absolutely, Tim Gaither. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, Chris was almost. Uh, not a lot of people know this. He he was pretty close to becoming uh, Jesse on uh, Breaking Bad. That's the character's name, right, Jesse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was up for that role and, and got pretty close. Oh man, that would have been. Yeah, he, I he, think he, he would told have... me that last time I saw him, and or when I would, a few years ago, he told me that. I mean, I, I think he would have played that part pretty well, especially. It definitely could... would have been different, huh? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I don't really that Paul, whatever the dude's name is, like I don't really particularly drink his kool-aid on the show in the sense that i think he just kind of over you weren't a fan i'm well, not the biggest fan yeah and uh but well, i it... and i'm a big fan of chris completely biased i think he think he could have done a great job plus coming from where we came from like you know he's pretty familiar with how meth people act <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. And what that smells like yeah brian burgess who we were talking about um the first time i saw him do stand up um it was probably the hardest I've ever laughed for 15 minutes straight. 
I mean, I saw, I went with my brother and we watched the show. And when he was done, I said to my brother, I go, that's what I'm talking about. That's how good I'd like to be. And I go, I remember asking him, I go, so what do I got to do to headline Brian? And he goes, I need a laugh every 15 seconds for 45 minutes. And so that Put was all simply, it. yeah, that's so know. I need 180 laughs over the course of a 45 minute set. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you don't have to do that anymore. And yeah, you don't have to. It's not like a but why not? But if you can, it's pretty cool. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, ask a guy like Adam Hunter who writes, you know, 190 jokes in 45 minutes, you know, because he's just like, yeah, well, I mean, and, and it doesn't even have to be jokes. It's just getting a laugh. You know, yeah, it doesn't have right, to right. be, you know. Um, and he's the one that taught me about timing. I mean, to be a Nazi about it. And that's why I'm such a fucking Nazi about it now. Um, the feature act in, when I, that I had in Kansas City, he didn't really mean to, but it kind of pissed me off because it, it was like, I admittedly, and I never go short or long or anything. I'm pretty good about doing what I'm supposed to do. And that night, I didn't particularly enjoy the audience, so I went like three minutes short. And he was like, yeah, you went like nine minutes short. And I was like... No, dude. First of all, I know <laughs> exactly right. how much time I do. Right here. And I was already beating myself up about going three short because I don't do that. So I know I didn't fucking go nine. You know, and he tried to argue with me. And I'm like, there are some things you just should not argue with me about. And that's one of them. Now, do you know this guy personally, but previously? Uh, kind of. I mean, not like, a bad guy. I'm no, not no, trying no, to I'm bag just on him. Like, just in a way that he would be comfortable enough to argue something about like time like that. Because that seems like something. Well, he admittedly is an argumentative person. Like I was like, dude, you like to argue. And he's like, I was on the ba- debate team. I'm like, well, take it down a notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certain things You're I don't want to be, be argued on the about. No friends having fucking team. If you know. Because like, I came off stage one time. I had done a guest spot. I was supposed to do ten minutes, and I did eleven. And Brian Burgess was so pissed off. He goes, if I tell you to do 11 minutes, that's what I, if I tell you to do 10 minutes, that's what I mean. Not 10.30, not 11, 10 fucking minutes. And I had killed. I came off so happy, you know. Hey, look how great I did. And he was like, fuck that. I don't care. He goes, it's not going to get you to middle. It's just going to piss me off. So I was like, okay, time is important. And it's not anymore. Nobody gives a shit anymore, but... Uh, it's still important. Timing is important, and he taught me a lot about that stuff. Now, what? No, in, in someone in an instance like Brian Burgess, like did, did he just officially hang it up, or because like you were saying, very funny. Chris said, very funny guy. Like what? Like why isn't he still maybe touring you'd, or bigger? Or you'd have to ask him. I, I would love to. I would love to know. But um, I think Brian is just one of those people that's cool. Excuse me, and happy. Doing what makes him happy, right? Golfing, yep. um, watching sports, um, and he did it for a long time too, right? That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, he was uh, he was a touring professional for you know at least fifteen years, probably. Yeah, okay, more. okay. There, yeah. that's the answer. Then I'm then yeah. he's then okay, gotcha. And and I remember asking him. Uh, he was like, I was like, so why don't you do much stand up anymore? And he was like, you know that feeling you get when you kill. And I was like, yeah, it's awesome. And he's like, yeah, I don't get that anymore. Mm. you know and he was like you know now when i'm up there i'm thinking about what i'm gonna eat for dinner what i need to get at the store shit like that (laughs) you know and you just have to meet him he's just uh he's just a different breed of cat i used to get weeks because i would call him up and i'd go hey burgess you told me to call you today first of all you didn't call him burgess until he gave you the okay and if you called him uh anything but brian before that you know just calling him Burgess by his last name, if you were younger than him and he didn't know you, he didn't fucking like that. 
Um, so you didn't it, getting to call him Burgess was like uh, I remember I did call him Burgess once, and he goes, uh, Burgess, that's what you're calling me now. He's like, I thought you would have known better, and <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. you know, it was a compliment, but he would he would compliment you and sticky at the same time. You uh-huh. know, like I thought you were smarter than that kind of a thing. And he was hard to make laugh. I remember Will C. telling us this story about uh, wrestling. Uh, we were talking about wrestling. And Will C. is a big guy. And he goes, yeah, I wrestled a midget in high school. And I was like, bullshit. You didn't wrestle a midget. There's no way a midget weighed 171 pounds, you know. And he goes, yeah, he did. I remember trying to shoot in on him. And I go, shoot on him? Why would you shoot on a midget? <laughs> and Brian's from Iowa, so he knows wrestling. And he was laughing his ass off. He was like, man, fucking wrestler, he knows. You don't shoot on a goddamn midget. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you shoot on a midget? And that was probably the hardest I ever made him laugh. And it made me feel so good. Uh, we did this. Well, everybody, we're going to wrap this up. I had a great time talking to my buddy Porter. And uh, don't forget to go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N-ithappen.com, uh, and help out a little boy who needs it very much and in the Kansas City area. And uh, it's the link right there. If you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, the link is in the bio. We put it in there. So just click on the link and just whatever you can donate or spare or sacrifice even, um, you know, think about doing that. It goes to a really good cause. It really does. Check out his blog. And when you read about what he goes through, um, it, it, like I said a million times, it makes it hard to feel sorry for yourself about just about anything. So check that out and uh, do something good. And if you're in the... Uh, if you're in the California area, I will be at the uh, El Segundo Comedy Festival. I believe this is the first year they've done it on the 18th. I'm actually not sure what my venue is, but um, if you go to so my coming website. coming up this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's going to be tomorrow, actually. Okay. so May 18th. Okay. Yeah, the Thursday, May- the, Thursday the 18th. Okay. Very no, nice. I'm sorry. Whatever tomorrow is, Tuesday. The, the, the 17th. 17th. 17th, I will be in El Segundo at the Comedy. F- and then May 23rd, if you're uh, in the area... I'm going to be in Long Beach at Harvell's. Uh, they do a, a comedy show there once a week or once a month or something, and it's a lot of fun. So Yeah, I've heard really good things about that show, actually. Yeah, yeah we'll get you on it. You can come to a spot if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. I'll be there. And so, then, yeah. And then, uh, you know, after that, actually, he's going to get right on a plane. Uh, if you're in Syracuse, New York, at the Funny Bone, the 25th through the 28th, the end of May. But you got a kind of, you got a busy summer. You got, you're going to be in Des Moines at the Laugh Factory for an entire week doing 14 shows. Um, and that's in June and July. Going to be at the Blue Room down in Springfield, Missouri. Great comedy club at the La Jolla Comedy Store. The Funny Bone up in um, Omaha. Just go to TimGaitherComedy.com, TimGaitherComedy.com. On Twitter, at GaitherTim, at GaitherTim. We got, we're starting to um, post a lot of the links to the shows and links to the podcast and clips and stuff like that up there. Uh, and then the YouTube channel. Yeah. That's going to be a thing we're going to... Just there's a bunch of a bunch of prank calls, uh, videos, drive through. I mean, there's just there's actually hours of really funny content. Yeah, on, and with SoundCloud, the, I'm just gonna put it all up there. Might as well, you know. So it's gonna yeah, be there. Absolutely. And then um, so that's go to makingithappen.com, you know, and then look up Tim Twitter, YouTube, and all that stuff. And then for myself, anyone listening in Oregon and Washington, Northern California, um, June twelfth through the eighteenth. Uh, UnionPressKC.com presents myself, Johnny Scordis, and uh, Sandro Isolano are going seven days, seven shows, 3,000 miles, and thousands of laughs. So go to Laugh Prince, 
Prince.com. That's laughprince.com, L-A-U-G-H, prince.com for more information. But uh, I also just added the Hard Rock Casino on uh, the day before my the, the day before my Omaha date, and uh, to the the Wednesday the twenty sixth. Yeah, that's that's gonna be in Sioux City, Iowa. Okay. So yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's a cool little it's a cool gig. I did it last year too. So. And guys, look, it the, the comedy doesn't work without without a good audience. So just you know, go out and see live comedy. And we're not saying it doesn't necessarily have to be our shows. If you're in Washington or the Midwest or in Syracuse, New York, or wherever, you know, if there's a local show going on in your neighborhood or in your community, just go support it. Look, and even if it's awful, just take that. Look, that was so awful. It was funny. <laughs> you can always get something out of a bad comedy show too. Yeah. But if you have to choose, come see us. Fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Point being, support live comedy. Yeah. God bless all of you. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Give us five-star ratings and nice compliments and comments and all that stuff. And uh, if you don't like it, stop listening. Like Bye-bye. Like on that highway.